They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. We are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations in the New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and we are here for Special Edition. Special Edition Lent. Why Lent? So we're a couple of episodes into this series, and now we are going to tackle Why Forgive, which is a pretty big topic, isn't it? It is. I think forgiveness is something that we all have to deal with, and not only forgiving other people who have done something against us and we feel hurt or upset or betrayed um, because they did something to us, and we should have some sort of capacity to be able to find a way to forgive them, but also forgiving ourselves for doing something uh, against that ourselves that would hurt us in some way. So, there's a, there's a lot of aspects to forgiveness, um, and I'm excited that we can dive into this and and hopefully bring some light to why we should forgive. So let's just take a look at these uh, Bible readings. So the first story, we've got a long passage selected, which is the tail end of the story of Jacob and Esau. We have a psalm that talks about uh, forgiveness, Psalm 32, happy are those whose transgression is forgiven. Uh, Ephesians 4, which features uh, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. And probably one of the shorter uh, gospel passages that we'll read. I've had some good preaching experience with, with preaching on one verse, and then you kind of illuminate where it where it's located. But yeah. it's uh, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others... Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. All right, so let's dig in. Where would you like to start? Well, let's start with the gospel. It's a short and sweet, and it is the verses right after the Lord's Prayer, and talking about uh, forgiving others' trespasses. Let's kind of break that down a little bit. What does trespass mean when we talk about trespasses? It means get off my property. <laughs> Do not trespass. That's right. <laughs> there was a sign by the camp I used to work at that had um, a, on this this person's shed that said, uh, no trespassing, uh, violators will be shot, survivors <laughs> will be shot again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> pretty, pretty brutal. <laughs> so forgiving others trespasses. So if they do something against you to forgive them, and then the second part of that is your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's that's pretty intense. It's pretty tough. I mean, it really comes across more as law than gospel, I think. And um, it, it seems somewhat conditional, doesn't it? It does. It does. That you, if you want to see receive forgiveness from God, then you need to forgive others. Yeah, I think that it is a, a tough thing, but also what we do here from... God over and over again throughout Scripture is that the importance of for us to have forgiveness in our heart, for us to look out for others. You know, when when Jesus talks about the greatest commands, He says, love God and love others 
as you would love yourself. And, and I was talking with some of my confirmation students the other day, and we were talking about this idea of, of the commandments and, and how do we break them down and, and what do they mean and, and, and that sort of thing. And I, we talked about the idea of Jesus said, you know, a, a twofold, and we, we, we t- commonly talk about it, love God, but then love each other. And then I said, there is that third component, love yourself. You want to love each other as mm-hmm. you love yourself. So I, I think that really plays into this text is the, highlighting the importance of our ability to love and to forgive others. Yeah, and I, I think it should be read in a sense where it's not like if you want to get forgiveness, that means you need to go out and do forgiveness. I don't think it necessarily means that, but I think it's if you're going to really experience forgiveness, you also have to be a forgiving person. I was thinking of that one parable where the um, wealthy person or the businessman or the the king, I don't remember exactly off the top of my head, has his manager come in and give account of the records and um, he's way in over his head in debts. Yep. And then um, he he forgives him and then he goes out and then from, which was an enormous, ridiculous sum that he could never repay. He was like, you know, like a million years worth of work <laughs> yeah. would be able, would be able to pay him back. And then he goes out and tries to collect on much smaller sums of, of people that owe him something. And then, and then he receives judgment from the king. And it's not like, see what a scumbag you were. I don't think, I don't think it's meant in that tone. I just think it's, if, if you, if you receive the forgiveness of God, uh, which, which is a gift, it, it's meant to be shared and utilized in your own life. I mean, it's meant to be in the here and now, the way that we live with each other. And um, when we refrain from forgiveness, or if we we want to be forgiven, but we don't want to share that same compassion or mercy with others, then we really don't understand what forgiveness is. So how could we recognize forgiveness? I think that that's an interesting take. How can we recognize forgiveness if we do not forgive others, or why should we expect forgiveness? I think the right. challenge that I have with, with this text is if you do not forgive others, it doesn't say if you don't forgive others, then you won't see God's forgiveness. If you don't forgive others, then you will not recognize, or even you do not deserve forgiveness. But it says explicitly, if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, maybe it's changing the maybe it's changing the paradigm completely. I mean, if you are only going by your sense of fairness, um, you know, yeah. you have no right to be forgiven either. Right, right, and and I think that's perfectly okay to say. I mean, we do. We do have a loving God, but we also have a, a God who takes a look at the in, entire picture, and 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 maybe there is, there is some judgment in that, and and we become a little uncomfortable with that because we don't want to think, well, if I mess up, is God going to not love me or not forgive me or not offer me salvation? Well, no, we're not saying that. But if we have a cold heart, if we have a heart that's not willing to open up and forgive others if they have done something against us, then why should we expect God to forgive us if we do not expect if we do not do it to others? Yeah, and that's where the the law and gospel paradigm works because because you need judgment. Yes. You need you need to know that there's nothing you can do to make it right totally on your own. You you can't just play the accounting game. Um, right. Because you'll because it's just it's beyond it's beyond what you can do. So the only thing you've got left in the end is mercy. And so 
in turn, that's the way we're supposed to treat others too, is, is to not play the accounting game with them either and, and forgive and uh, show that same mercy that we've been shown. Let's talk about Jacob and Esau because it's a great, great story that illuminates this uh, even, even further. Yeah, so Jacob and Esau is found in Genesis 32. But it goes back much further than that. It's, a really, it's one of the long stories in Genesis and Genesis as a whole is is about origins. It's, you know, beginnings is a direct translation of the word Genesis. So, you know, what's this about? You've got these two brothers, which we're told are rivals from before, uh, even in their birth story. You know, Jacob is, and Esau are wrestling with each other even then. Yep, yep. And then uh, Jacob swindles the birthright away from Esau, because Esau was born first, so as in that society, if you were the firstborn male, that meant you got the blessing. And so he goes through this whole process of trying to um, take that away from Esau, and he does. And Esau's parting words to him, just to break it down shortly, is, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you. So he runs away. And then he has this uh, revelation of, of God, and then he, he ends up um, working for Laban, and he, he, has, he gets married and has a family and um, prospers uh, in, in a real earthly way and decides it's time to go home, uh, basically to, to meet his match. Um, because he knows that Esau wants to kill him, and he's sorrowful for what he's done, and he he wants to make amends. And you have the story of him uh, getting getting close to there. He uh, meets the angel, or meets God, or meets himself. Maybe it is an introspective piece, metaphorically. Who knows? But he he wrestles all night long. That's where his hips thrown out of socket. And he's renamed in that blessing to Israel. So you have this naming of who the people are as a whole. I think, too, that the people of God are those who wrestle with God. I think that's kind of an interesting take on how you might read the Bible from that story onward. Uh, and then he goes to actually confront his brother. And uh, But what he does, because he's still a bit of a weasel, is he sends his uh, his family in first. <laughs> <laughs> if he's going to kill somebody, he's going to kill my family first, and then we'll talk. <laughs> let's, let, let's let them soften the wall, butter them up a little bit. First. But right when it gets to the climactic moment of when you think, okay, now Jacob's going to get what's coming to him, and Esau will have his vengeance, which is also owed to him, um, you have this turn, and and Esau embraces his brother and loves him and welcomes him home. It's a great story of forgiveness. I, I just can't, yeah, can't imagine. Powerful. I mean, with stealing this birthright, and which and in that culture is everything. It's I mean, everything. It's, it's, it's every, yeah. I know families today that have family squabbles that have gone on for generations that are, are over something smaller than than what we would consider the, the birthright of a family. And they, they still can't find a way to come together and be with one another and celebrate each other. Um, but the, the forgiveness that, that Esau shows is just unimaginable to me. And, uh, and Esau had the, the wherewithal and uh, the means to really destroy his brother if he wanted to, but he chooses right. not to. And that's right. just a, a great story. It is. There's so many levels to it, and it's very, very human, which I think makes it very, very relatable. 
uh, these two flawed characters. Esau, who gets the wool pulled over his eyes and loses everything, and, and Jacob, who swindles him out of it. And the emotions of it are, you know, you can see yourself in the story very easily on both sides of that when, when you've been deceitful or when you've been taken advantage of. And, um, you know, what's, what's the outcome that the story is telling and what's it mean for us as faithful people uh, to carry that story? Um, again, it's not about retribution or revenge, which is, which is the world we live in wants those things. You know, our, our sense of justice is always uh, repayment of pain right? and not restorative. And this is a, a story of, of what it means to be restorative. I think looking at the gospel lesson and this and the, the contrast, and this is not the, the main focus, but I think something to think about, discern a little bit, is God's role in this. And we see Jacob, who swindles his brother out of the birthright, who who really isn't the greatest of guys, and God forgives him. You know, when we talk about, you know, do not if you do not forgive others, God, God will not forgive you. Well, Jacob did a lot of awful things, and he wrestled with God. Right. But then God blesses him with a new name and a new identity, and I think in thinking through it ourselves, if we have not forgiven others as as we should, as we're called to do, the, the wrestling that we have to do with God and to come out on the other side, and God has never closed the doors on us saying, you're out, you're gone, I want nothing to do with you, but... God still continues to invite us back into be to, to be in relationship with God and to be forgiven and to be blessed just like Jacob was. Yeah, I think that's a, a real important thing to lift up is that even in spite of of Jacob's deception and just general lousiness, God never gives up on Jacob and uh, the wrestling. You could do a lot with that because I think a lot of us wrestle with God in our own way. Either it's um, because of our own sense of self or, or perhaps our relationships that aren't quite what they should be or even just the world being what it is or, or hardship that we're facing. There's a lot to wrestle with God. And um, at the same time, the, the conveying message here is that God is, is still part of that, that we're not abandoned or we're not shunned. Which is what we would expect. I mean, that's what makes it, that's what makes it such a great story. Is our our expectations are turned upside down, and we see um, mercy and grace and um, compassion that's far beyond what anybody deserves here. Yep. The thing about Jacob and Esau is it's such a rich a rich story. You could spend your sermon really just in long form telling the story and and bringing points into it. You know that that connect with folks. Um, or if you're just doing it as a Bible study or for your own your own um, edification, there's just a lot in here, and you know we've got a lot that we've added here, but there's so much backstory. It's just worth spending some time in in Genesis, reading through the whole bit of it. Yeah, if you're not familiar with Jacob and Esau, I would encourage you to go back and and read the whole story, and even if you want to break it up throughout the week and so you're not sitting for 
extended amount of time to to read it, but to to o- know the overall arching story and and how the interplay is between Jacob and Esau and and the relationship between Jacob and his mother and and Esau and his father and and just how all that kind of plays out and and re- reading not only you know the the, the downside but also the the celebration from the story and and how it kind of ends up but let's go to psalm 32 as we read earlier happy are those whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered happy are those to whom the lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit i think a lot of people carry a lot of guilt for a lot of things unnecessarily mm I mean, guilt is a powerful emotion because it, it seeks reconciliation. But I think even when we've received absolution, we still carry the guilt with us a lot of times. Or we just approach things feeling um, inadequate or inept or unable to um, do what we think we should be doing. If forgiveness is true, if if God's mercy really is what we claim it to be, we have, there's no reason for that. Uh, we can be joyful people. We can seek to uh, bring people together, certainly. Uh, we should work on reconciling those places where we need we need to do it and, and get into the work of that. But at the same time, if we really receive the forgiveness of God, we should be living that joyfully because it's it's something that's not only powerful, but it, it, it opens us to a new life in a real way. I mean, and isn't that what faith should be about? Yes, yes. And unfortunately, I, I, I think there are many people's perception that maybe not God does not offer that forgiveness, but does the church offer that forgiveness? I remember a story uh, from yeah. from Philip Yancey from one of his books, uh, What's So Amazing About Grace, where he tells a story about this prostitute who is on the streets of Chicago and who has sold her daughter into sexual slavery, so to speak, and she was approached by someone, and, and she really wanted to turn her life around, and and the person said to her, well, why don't you go to, to the church? And she said to the person, why would I go to the church? I already feel bad about myself. Yeah. And how churches can be perceived as people of judgment, uh, people who are unforgiving, but we have such a loving and forgiving and grace-filled God, we should be institutions that are known for love and our forgiveness and our grace that we can extend into the world. Yeah, whenever we talk about forgiveness, I always remember, and I know I've shared this here before too, and I've used it in sermons many, many times, um, it's it's the um, parable, really, of the drowning person. And it's um, it's set up in a way that, you know, there's this village and this person has committed a murder and they're put either, depending on which version of the story you hear, on a raft or on a rock or something like that in the middle of the raging river. And it's up to the family what happens to that person who's been convicted of this crime. They can let the person drown uh, and get their due punishment as they deserve, or they can go out and rescue that person. But if they if they rescue uh, that 
perpetrator of of such horrible things that means that now they're part of their family and they're responsible for them and it kind of and the whole turn of it is it's it's about a new life that can be restored it's not putting things back the way they were it's not um saying it doesn't matter um it, it does matter but it's it's about um a new life that is possible when we forgive thinking about that in in a new way or a different way uh for mm-hmm. me recently with a situation that that you and I have talked about here um, in my congregation where someone has done something against another person, uh, a really serious offense, and we've had to wrestle with as a community, how do we do this? How do we make this place a, a sanctuary, a safe place for both parties, the person who was victimized and the perpetrator? Right. And it's been difficult because we want this to be a place, a safe place for especially those who have been victimized. But how do we give new life to the person who has created the offenses? And how do we continue to minister to them? And how do we support them and, and help them see reconciliation not only within themselves, but also how they can be reconciled with, with God uh, and, and not only know intellectually, but also feel that reconciliation. And it's a hard thing to do. So maybe that time on the rock or on the raft, when they may be excluded from the community or separated, not excluded, maybe that time on the raft or on the rock when they are separated from the community for a little while is a time of reflection and a time of repentance and a time when they need to seek within themselves, how am I going to make things right again? And that when they are welcomed again back into the community, like you said, the relationship is different. It's not like it was before. It has to take on a new life. Yeah, and maybe there's something to a, a bigger view because I think um, in this case in particular, without naming too, too many specifics, I mean, there are consequences in the here and now that they can't necessarily legally be restored to that community. Right. But that doesn't mean that they can't be restored within the church right. uh, as a whole. And that doesn't mean they can't be restored to God. Um you know, so I mean, there are there are certain consequences to our actions, certainly in the here and now, that we have to be mindful of. But that doesn't mean you can't be forgiven. That doesn't mean you can't be restored, and that doesn't mean you can't be part of the body. Um, but in in specific cases, you can't really be restored. To, <laughs> to right, 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 right. Because of the safety issues and everything else. Right, so that's I mean, some of the are, realities. Yeah, yeah, that is that is the reality, which is what makes it such a wrestle and makes it so difficult. Because there are some things in this life that we live that um, can't be undone in a real way um, for all the right reasons. But, um, right, right. But those distinctions, I think you can still get to a place where you're, you're, you're still trying to be restorative. Because if you, if you physically cannot be restored to a community but could be restored to another community, that's still a new life. Yes, yes. That is still a new life. And, and specific communities is, is one thing, uh, but 
God is always there for us, no matter what. You know, right. if you can't be part of a specific community, there's other communities that you can you can be a part of, and but it's it's that that connection with God. And this is one of the conversations I've had, you know, with with many people, uh, right. not just with one case, but it's like I I just can't bring myself to to come to a specific community or or to to church right now because of this I'm dealing with you know, that, that means my connection with God is, is no longer there. And I said, no, no, your connection God with God is always there. And your connection right. with, with certain people like, you know, pastors are, are always there and, and just continue to work on. So when we say happier, those whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered, happier, those whom the Lord imputes no iniquity. I mean, that's a real benefit, benefit and a real blessing for people um, to know that, that, that w- whatever we do in our life, can be restored again through the love and the grace of God. So it's a, a question of whether we're our ability to forgive others, our question of our ability to forgive ourselves, which is really difficult. But for God to forgive us, it is not a difficult thing. God is a loving God. God is always coming to us. Um, and for us to really recognize that forgiveness, to embrace that forgiveness, we need to sometimes wrestle, like Jacob did, it, with God in how we can bring ourselves to the point where we can accept that forgiveness that God continues to extend to us. And if Lent is a season where we really focus on the main thing, um, I mean, the center of our faith is about God's forgiveness of us. And uh, we're getting closer to the cross, and that is the ultimate symbol of, of God's love and mercy for this broken world, and uh, we are invited into it. So we want to thank you for joining us for another special edition of Lent, and this is, again, a podcast for Lent 2, Why Forgive? So thank you for joining us. We hope you have a glorious week, and we will be back with another special edition Lent episode for Lent 3, why fast? We are the Two Bald Pastors, helping you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinibaldo. Take care and be blessed. Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors are known for our lovingness, our